Welcome to the Women Owned Wednesday podcast by Ellie Jane. I'm Ellie Rowe, entrepreneur and founder of Ellie Jane Collective, and in my interview for this episode, I talk with Mariah Phillips, a former high school classmate of mine at the Institute of Notre Dame in Baltimore, Maryland, who is now a multi-million dollar online fundraising strategist, digital sales whiz, and founder of E3 Digital, a Baltimore, Maryland-based digital marketing agency. I'm always so happy whenever I get the chance to reconnect with a former classmate. As the graduate of an all-girls Catholic high school, the sisterhood is strong, and I was thrilled to see what Mariah was up to these days. Turns out the mission behind her brand is driven by social change and helping more black identifying business owners acquire generational wealth through their marketing strategies, which is a mission I stand behind 1000%. Mariah and I talk a lot about how she got her start, how she feels about the importance of teaching and being a mentor to future generations of entrepreneurs, the extinction of the traditional career path, and how her experience as a black woman has shaped her career and the way she both attracts the right kinds of clients and also advises them. So without further ado, here we go. Hi, Mariah. Thank you for joining me today. Hey, Liz. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> yes. So I'm here with Mariah Phillips, who is a multi-million dollar online fundraising strategist. She is also a digital sales whiz and the founder of E3 Digital, a Baltimore, Maryland-based digital marketing agency, which is driven by social change, show-stopping metrics, and the power of soulful messaging for the advancement of innovation. Um, she also happens to be a former classmate of mine in high school. Um, it's been a while. It doesn't seem like it's been that long. <laughs> it's been long. Well, well, we graduated. It's been 10, 11 yeah, years. It's been 11 years. That's crazy. It's nuts. Every time those pictures pop up on like my timeline and it's like, this was eight years ago. I'm like, oh no. Yeah, it's like everybody looked like a fetus. <laughs> yes, we all just looked like, I mean, we've all, I think maybe grown into our skin a little bit more since then, but there are some scary, there's some scary things, especially in an all girls Catholic school where you don't have to look presentable. Ever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> coming there looking any old kind of way. <laughs> exactly. I look back on some of those pictures. I'm like, oh, wow. All right. Well, good thing. Right. Don't release these. please. It was just us. <laughs> Um, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your background um, post high school and what you what you went to school for, because I don't think I know the answer to that. Yeah, so I went to school for English creative writing. Um, my minor was in legal studies. I always I've always loved writing. I think I'm a homeschool nerd. So um, and private school and um, even elementary school, like reading and writing was a big thing for us. My, my mother's an English teacher. Um, and, you know, when you go to college, sometimes it sounds impressive to be like, oh, I'm going to do bioengineering, <laughs> you know, or I'm going to do these like these things that sound so fancy. Um, and I would tell people, I was like, oh, I'm going to do English writing. And they'd be like, oh, I, I guess, you know, you don't take yourself seriously. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so, like, Rude. I think very seriously the world runs on stories and messaging um and so that was really fun I really enjoyed it um you know all sorts of writing from poetry to nonfiction to fiction to technical writing just everything in between all sorts of genres um and then for legal studies that was really a cool minor because when it comes to legal writing you have to be very like exact and I think that goes really well with creative writing because a lot of times with creative writing 
you know, especially when it comes to marketing, like I do now, you want to be alluring, creative and excite people, but you also want to be truthful and exact because mm-hmm. that's very important. So the two really meshed, they meshed well. So how did you, like, what was your goal in terms of your career? Did you kind of evolve into what you're doing now? Or how did you know that like, this was the path that you wanted to take? Yeah. So I am one of those people who's like, I don't, I like to plan. I like to set goals, but I never, I've never been one to put pressure on myself. Like, you know, you have to be this. I'm always like, even before like manifesting stuff became like a buzzword online. I've always just been the type of person to be like, if you're interested in it, do it. And you, you know, if you need money, you'll find a way to make money from it. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. that's what, um, that's, that was really my drive. I was like, I don't want to be a teacher, at least not a teacher in like a formal school, like elementary school at the time I didn't, I find myself teaching now anyway, teaching, um, teens, marketing strategies and things like that through formal trainings but I was like I don't want to be a teacher um and so I got there I I started you know doing my 18 credits um and I was just one day I looked up I was like what are some careers that you can get with an English degree and like a few things popped up and um public relations popped up and I had never heard of public relations until I did that google search my freshman year of college and all the things that they were saying about it sounded like this sounds good to me. You know, I get to, I've always liked telling people stories and PR is really telling stories all the time, like for shaping stories, telling, just promoting people and like managing reputation and getting stories out there. And I was like, this is great. Like you can make a whole career out of this. Um, and so I, internships were never easy to get. I was in a, the New York region. And a lot of times I just had to wait until I got back to Maryland on summer breaks to do internships. And I landed one with Better Business Bureau of Greater Maryland. They're still, I don't know if they're still downtown. They were downtown at the time. Um, And I did it the old fashioned way. I did a lot of things the old fashioned way before like fancy glass door search engines existed. (laughs) Places, public relations places in Baltimore, like I can't even remember the crazy ways I would look things up. And um, if I saw that there was a public relations position at the agency, I would reach out, I would stalk and see who was in the position, find an email somewhere online. Like there was no LinkedIn. So I was like, hey, here's an email address. And I would just pitch myself and be like, this is what I'm trying to do. Do you have any room? And um, BBB said yes. And then I worked at, for another internship, I worked at a public policy network in northern New Jersey when I was back in school junior year so that's really the path like the educational path it was really like I knew I was going to always do what I wanted um and and, you know do what I was supposed to do which is tell stories and so it came together (laughs) yeah well do you feel like it panned out the way that you uh expected that it was like from then until now yeah oh not at all so I had this like Devil Wears Prada um, idea of how my my life was going to go and like how <laughs> business was going to go because before I used to be a makeup artist in the New York region too. Um, I'm big on makeup. I still love makeup. Like makeup's my, my first love. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really interested in fashion and things like that. Still am. But 
I did not know exactly how much of your life that sort of um, schedule and lifestyle takes up. Um, and I just, when I, I, I was in college in New Jersey, I was the only one living up there. I stayed there after graduation. My whole family was in Baltimore and by no means are we rich. So it was like, if you choose to stay up there, I guess you're choosing to support yourself too. Um, and so for me, it just, and a lot of those jobs, they want you to pay your dues for like ever until yeah. you start making the kind of money that you hope to make. And I was just like, I don't have time <laughs> to be, right. you know, somebody's servant for for six years before, you know, you rub the right shoulders and get your big break. I was like, I need to make my own big break. So um, it, that didn't pan out as far as I thought with that career path. Um, but I did work at a digital, uh, not digital, a public relations agency in Fort Lee, New Jersey. Um, we represented like uh, celebrity clients, um, direct response clients. We got people, national media placements on today's show, Good Morning America and regional placements. And that was really interesting just to see like the back end of how media works. It was like, if any, if everybody could see that, I think we'd all have a very different perspective on the world <laughs> that we live in. But yeah, so that's really how um, we went from college to working at that firm, to internships, working at that firm moved back to Maryland um, because the cost of living up there was just crazy. Yeah. I was like, this doesn't even make sense. Um, and I moved back to Maryland and started working at 2U Inc. in a tech agency. Okay. Um, and that really like threw things off, off of what I had originally expected because I've always loved marketing, wanted to stay in it, but I had a requirement for a salary that I wanted. I was like, I, I need to hit this salary mark. And that to you was like, we cool. Um, and it was an opportunity, it was a position where um, a school called Simmons Social Work up in Boston had an online program where they needed their clinical social work students to have in-person internships so they can learn how to be clinical social workers. Mm -hmm. And so in the role, it's, it, it aligned with public relations pretty well because in the role, we literally had to be like, okay, Mariah, you have you know 200 students in the Midwest um, and you have to find them clinical social work placements to go to every week in six months, go ahead, you know? <laughs> and there were all these crazy requirements for how the, their, their um, boss had to be licensed and how many hours a week they had to do that, these very exact requirements that we had to get, I had to get complete strangers to agree to who absolutely did not know me and had no reason to say yes. Um, and in a lot of Midwest regions and even on the East Coast and West Coast, at that time, that was around 2015, 16, even still today, a lot of older fashioned people are like online learning, you know, what is this? A complete scam? You know, what you, <laughs> hacking my bank account? So like nobody, it was really tough sometimes to like, you had to pitch the relevancy and the reputation of the schools and really also, you're dealing with students who you've never met them. You don't know them from a hole in the ground. So you have to build rapport with them and the agency really quickly and execute legal agreements and an internship. So that was like, wow, this does relate to pitching and storytelling. Definitely. You better have some stories in your back pocket for that. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't marketing. So fortunately, an opportunity on the marketing floor for um, public relations opened up. Someone else took that position. But the recruiter and the lady she was working with were like, 
we have a position on the digital marketing team, which was inbound marketing and search engine optimization. Um, and so I was like, this is new. Um, so I took it because again, I'm always like, I'm always up for a challenge. And if I don't know something, I'm like, well, that's great. Now I have the chance to learn something new. So that's really how I got into like uh, advanced digital marketing, advanced search engine optimization. And things just carried on from there. Then I started working with Catholic Relief Services um, for humanitarian efforts in their digital fundraising department. Did so much there from video to email marketing to SEO. And um, that led me to today um, where I have my agency that I've just started. So a long journey, could not see the bulk of it coming <laughs> at all. <laughs> the forest through the trees. Out. Huh? The forest through the trees. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's never a straight line. Like, I think I'm trying to remember which podcast episode um, we were talking about that. But yeah, it never seems to be like a straight line. It's kind of like a ping pong. Yes, it is a ping pong. Life is like, oh, what did you have planned? Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. not what I had planned. Sorry. No. <laughs> no. I feel that way too. I mean, I have a journalism degree, so it's similar. You know, like English was always definitely my favorite subject, creative writing and stuff like that. And then once I started, you know, I ended up in marketing as well. I just think the creativity aspect of it um, has always been something that's attracted me to it. And, yeah. um, you know, I think the one thing that probably most career um, training or like universities don't teach across all career paths is the marketing element, which mm -hmm. in cases is the most important part, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even there's before, uh, when I was working for those companies, I was doing people's resumes and cover letters on the side. And there are just so many talented people out here who just didn't know how to relay that. And so, um, it was, it was just so interesting to me that, I don't know, sometimes when you're in the industry, you, when, at that time I was taking for granted the power of storytelling and know how to tell a story and, you know, relay metrics in a personable way. Um, but it's, it's, it is definitely marketing is a course or like some sort of teaching that like everybody, I don't care what your major is, they should take and they should just learn the fundamentals of it because no matter what opportunity you're going after in life, even if it's a relationship with a romantic relationship, like yeah. you see Bumble and all of these different apps, you have to pitch yourself. And if you don't pitch yourself right, you don't get a good match. So. <laughs> oh yeah. True. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I feel the same way. It really is all about representation. And, you know, a lot of the time, especially as an entrepreneur, you know, becoming your own brand. And I think, you know, a lot of people have trouble um, voicing that, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. or maybe putting like words to what it is that they're trying to do. I mean, I know that's, that was a struggle for me in the beginning, but now I feel like my brand is a direct representation of myself, but I mean, it wouldn't have gotten right. there had I not had the marketing experience to get it there. Yeah. Yeah. And like a big motivation for me was that in Baltimore, growing up in Baltimore, you just saw so many people with so many cool ideas, even now. And um, a lot of small businesses would fizzle out. And I'd be like, what happened? Like they were, they had such a cool concept. And then it dawned on me. I was like, oh, the marketing, like you can have the coolest concept in the world and have the coolest background story in the world. But if you don't know how to market it and let people know it's there and convince people that they should be a part of it or buy it, 
then it fizzles out. So like marketing is paramount in this world. <laughs> it really is. Well, I guess, um, you know, on that subject, um, how has the past year been? I mean, have things changed for you with COVID um, and all of that? Or do you feel like, I mean, digital marketing is probably one of the, I mean, it was important before, but now there's more of an emphasis on it just because everyone's consuming content digitally. So, you know, how has the past year been and what changes have you seen in your industry because of COVID? Yeah, so the past COVID was, oh my God, like, <laughs> I'm like, did 2020 even happen? Or I know. It was, was, was a nightmare. Did somebody clock me over the head and send me into a nightmare? Um, <laughs> but the past year has been pretty interesting. Um, it was really the April or March. March of last year was really when I went like full time um, into this path before starting E3 Digital. My current standing brand right now is Mariah Phillips Copywriter. So I went full time as a copywriter. Um, in response to COVID and in small businesses needing that help. At the time, I was hosting um, a small dinner concept in Baltimore called Sunday Dinner Baltimore, um, which is basically a concept for Black millennials in a DMV to laugh, eat, and grow together, just like to bring some positivity um, to a place that has a lot of false and negative narratives. Um, and so, of course, the, the first one was in, was in March, and it was excellent. People were like, yay, let's do it again. And then everything shut down. And when everything first shut down, I was like, oh, well, we'll do it in about a month when they open. Because like, who, who's ever been through a pandemic that's alive today? <laughs> um, so I'm thinking this was going to be, you know, stay in the house, brush your teeth, wash your hands and come back out. Little <laughs> did I know. Yeah. So thankfully, the good thing that did come out of COVID was that a lot, um, you know, some good out of some bad was that a lot of people did pivot to having small businesses online. Um, but didn't necessarily know how to market them. And so um, one of my early clients who is still with me today has a very cool business concept where she helps, um, she's diversifying the STEM field. So basically um, um, you know, she's helping, um, she's having representation in STEM. So people of color in STEM from the Weather Channel and from all of these different places, just teaching all types of kids. You know, it's a very diverse space. Um, STEM skills about the heart, about viruses, about engineering. And so I never saw myself working with those sorts of companies because I just, I wasn't expecting COVID to happen or like the full-time copywriting to happen. Um, but then it was such a perfect alignment because I'm such an education advocate and having been homeschooled myself, I was just like, this is an awesome opportunity to like do what I love and help people who are doing what with what I identify with. Um, and so just being able to write website copy for that company and uh, other companies at that time who were doing such innovative like and really cool things was just so inspiring. So the year was tough in that, you know, people were struggling with finances and you were dealing, not only was I acquiring clients and working with them but there were so many emotional implications at that time given COVID people were losing loved ones Black Lives Matter movement so like even with general consultations there were more like therapy sessions you know marketing consultations slash therapy sessions um, helping clients get through these really tough times and feel confident and good about making money because that was a big thing for a lot of clients 
um, at that time was like, they, some people felt bad about selling. And I was like, look, you're doing good work and you have to keep doing good work. Even in the midst of turmoil, you didn't ask for this. None of us asked for this. And you continuing to do what your purpose to do is the only way that we can get this world to a better place. So um, it was a tough time. We got through it. And honestly, I believe, I don't believe that um, E3 Digital would have been born if not for the experiences that, that I had during that um, COVID-19 period leading up to today. So it was, it was crazy, but some good came out of it. And so, you know, on that front, do you, what kind of inspired you to create um, a marketing company whose goal is to help, you know, more Black identifying business owners? Do you seek that out? Has it just happened a little bit organically? Um, you know, how has that transpired over time? Yeah, so it was interesting to me the whole time that I worked in corporate America. I would, I, I, I'm privy and like I'm very knowledgeable on all of these advanced marketing skills, like these things that are making Amazon and all of these different big companies like millions and billions per year that like leaving color out of it, small business owners just don't know. Like people are like, you have to get on Instagram. How do I build my Instagram? What's the new hashtag? Instagram. And it's just like, <laughs> Instagram is not the only answer for getting your message out there. And like Instagram is for entertainment. It can lead to conversions, but that's not why pe people don't get on Instagram to buy. Um, nowadays we do get on to shop and scroll. And if we find something that's great, but people really are looking, the average person is looking to be entertained. So, um, not only would I see the difference between small businesses, but I would just see a big gap in the availability to these advanced um, tactics um, and the black community having access to them and like even knowing about them. Um, and there were so many clients with so many great ideas who like would come to me and be like, do you have Instagram strategies? And I'm like, don't say that to me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have bigger strategies for you that will make you bigger money. Um, and so it was, <laughs> It was just fun for me to then deliver this information to clients who I knew I, as a black person, like I just know what is popular in our culture versus what is not. And then what is helpful to our culture versus what is not. And I know that these advanced digital marketing taxes aren't popular in our culture and are very helpful to our culture. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is a perfect opportunity to merge those two things. Um, and just to, you know, the implications that come from slavery and so all the different things that black people in America have gone through. The idea of building generational wealth is just so important to me because it's really the only way to sustain a culture. It's the only way to sustain a future. It's the only way to really break a lot of systemic strongholds that are on certain cultures, um, black cultures and other cultures of color in America and around the world is to have, you know, everybody's idea of wealth is different. Um, but as much as folks say, you know, money don't, you know, money don't have me, um, you know, money is evil, all of these things that people say about money. It's like, well, <laughs> money ain't bad even. It don't hurt to have some. So, so, and like, let's just be real. You have more options for your future when you're financially stable. And so that is like the driving mission for me um, because it is just beautiful. It's so beautiful to see how many wonderful ideas um, that Black people all across America are having for their businesses and to be able to help. 
Um, and I think it's important for people to remember to have a strong mission, no matter who your audience is, because, because I'm so passionate and focused on my mission. Um, I, I attract clients who aren't black, but the, you know, they identify with the mission. They're like, through my work, you know, as a white person, as an Asian person or, or what have you, I do want to help, you know, black communities. I do want to help communities of color. I do want to be a part of this movement. And for me personally, I think that's wonderful and beautiful because we live in a very diverse and global world. You know, mm -hmm. we don't live in a world with one color and I, I definitely see black people as global people. Um, and so to be able to create a brand that incorporates all sorts of people to come in and believe in this mission and believe in education and just doing really great things for, for on, a, on a global scale from this one very defined mission. It's so exciting. So that's where that came from. I think that's so interesting that you are talking about that because that's obviously a much deeper you know, issue than just marketing or just digital strategy, or, you know, you're really taking your experience as a black person in this country and globally too, and kind of infusing it into your day-to-day -day work and the work that you do for your clients. Um, and can I ask you like a question, like a tough question? <laughs> yeah, I love tough questions. Um, well, I guess it's more of like an emotional question. So has have the events of the last year and everything with, you know, racial inequality, which is obviously not a new topic, but something that's really come to the forefront with, you know, the George Floyd situation and all of that, like, has that influenced how you approach, you know, your clients or how you're having conversations with your clients over the last year? Yeah, so the thing about me is that a lot of the revelations that happened to with a lot of people during George Floyd, George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and Breonna Taylor that a lot of people had white, black, I had had those revelations a long time ago. <laughs> so it wasn't so much of a, um, the conversation changed on my end. It was very, again, and, and this is why my brand is really built around black joy and black wealth is because like a lot of things in, in black culture a lot of revelations come about through pain. And so it's very important to me to, with the work that I do to, to sprinkle joy, to spread, you know, to show people, there's a lot of pluses about being, identifying as black, being black. And I think the benefit in me having had experiences in such diverse, and even in our school, such diverse spaces was that I had had an, a very up close and personal look at racial disparities racial um, encounters, you know, very painful ones. And so while a lot of people in my community, um, not all, because of course there, you know, a lot of us already woke, but a lot of folks um, were just like, like some of my clients were like, I did not know that racism was this bad. And we're talking about other black people. And I was like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> it ain't got no, it ain't got much better. Um, so, <laughs> so it was, um, it was very, encouraging for me to be able to be that voice of, you know, let's really talk about this. And I'm glad that we're on the same page about what needs to be done now. Um, and to really uplift people, because a lot of my clients were very, very, very depressed and just shocked. They were shocked. It was very emotionally traumatic, especially see continuously seeing the hashtags and the pictures and the videos and the friends of different nationalities reaching out for virtual coffees and you just being like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> so 
um, it was it was a very interesting period in time, um, but it was also a very enlightening period in time. And I'm just grateful for the fact that um, you know that a lot of people's outlook have been changed on what climate we're still in in America versus the you know the racism it has ended climate that a lot of people were buying into before and hopefully you know as we continue to grow and as people are continuing i know a lot of workplaces are being a lot more um, um accepting of having tough racial conversations and i will say that a lot of my clients are um managing full-time jobs while managing full-time companies some you know some have full-time companies it just depends um, and so it's been really good to hear that they are getting more mental peace in their workplace because these conversations are more at the forefront. My hope is just that we are able to continue these conversations without someone dying, <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, no, I mean, that's so true. And that's the thing is, I think, you know, there were just a variety, I mean, obviously there was a lot of different dialogue going on with all of the racial injustice and everything that's happening over the last year, but like you said, I mean, this is not a new thing. It's not going away just because we've all of a sudden started having these conversations. And to some degree, it's almost like we've started from scratch right. in terms of like awareness um, because there are so many people and it just blows my mind um, continually each time I encounter it that are just like not aware of yeah. what, what kind of country, you know, we live in and all of the kind of hidden racism and hidden bias yep. been the forefront of so many organizations over the course of history and continues to be to this day. Um, you know, so it's like, it's great that we're starting these conversations. And I know my, um, the company that I work for full-time has started doing these diversity, equity, and inclusion training. So we hired a couple different consultants to come in and do that. And I think there are people who get a lot of out of it. And then there are people who don't. And I think, unfortunately, it's the people who don't that probably need it the most a lot of the time. Right. <laughs> it's always the ones who need it the most. Um, and I just, I, I'm just, I, I just always urge people to like, keep having those conversations and to keep having them on a personal level. Um, I think that if you're in a community with somebody who you know, you know what's going on. And the person, you know, maybe it's a family member or a close friend and you've just chalked it up as that's how they were, you know, just always make sure you're having those conversations and like bringing it up to them continuously. It's just like when someone's trying to lose weight, like I know that I'm someone who, who, you know, is always on a journey to like lose weight and stay healthy. And when people around me are like, hey, have you done this? You know, have you walked? You know, um, you don't need that second slice of cake, you know, <laughs> where people would generally get offended. You know, don't tell me what I can eat and what I can't, but it's for it's for your own good. So <laughs> just having those conversations and reminders for people, even if you're like, this might cause an argument, y'all are going to argue at some point anyway, make it count. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Do you, do you feel like, well, cause I'm always interested because obviously everybody's perspective is different, but do you feel like when you look back on our high school experience at the Institute of Notre Dame, do you feel like that was a diverse experience or do you feel like it wasn't? I feel like black people are so, we're so great at cultivating community that we're able to make an experience exciting for us no matter where we are. So if we were able to make it um, diverse within our bubble, you know, we hang out with who we hang out with. And also we have 
the the excitement of being able to go beyond our culture and hang out with people who we generally vibe with of all cultures um the school as a whole absolutely not (laughs) was not a diverse school whatsoever um and then just as a black person at that school like the everyday treatment by certain faculty and staff it was just clear like even from skirt length you know us as black women we generally have thicker thighs you know generally have different builds and we would get in trouble for rolling our skirts up when other when other girls would just they you know oh it's just teenagers and now we're being promiscuous because I'm I'm thick you know what you want me to do <laughs> um, so even in things like that um, or just like just different different instances of you know there's always the financial conversation when it comes to like we we're talking about earlier a lot of um, not all but many of the black students there were on scholarship. Um, I know that my family caught hell because we weren't Catholic and we weren't on scholarship, um, but we were paying faithfully every single month. And, you know, if one month we're $50 off. It was like, well, you know, I hope you get the money because, you know, you leave. And if you don't, um, when I knew full well that other girls were there getting full scholarships who did, whose parents were in the same financial situation as mine, they were right. just Catholic and they weren't Black. So right. it was definitely, um, out of all the pluses that we got from going to IND, that was definitely like, speak to any Black person there and like, we'll celebrate the sisterhood all day long. But the, the um, diversity question, and I think that's the case for a lot of private schools in Maryland, quality private schools in Maryland. It's like, um, I don't think the leadership really thinks once or twice <laughs> about, about everybody's experience in those environments. No, and I think too, you know, this is something that we had talked about. Actually, it's funny, like in one of our diversity trainings recently, but thinking back to, um, you know, diversity and also representation within our staff. And if you look at that, it's really limited. You know, when I look back at like the faculty and staff, I didn't realize it, yes, at the time. I mean, I definitely, you know, wasn't, it just wasn't something that registered to me, you know, at the time, but like looking back, it's very obvious that there was no, literally no black representation on staff. There was none. There was none. It's crazy. Cause like as a teenager, I just wasn't thinking of stuff like that either. You know, you're 15, 16, you're not, for me, I just wasn't going in and being like, I don't see any black teachers. It was just like, this is a very white environment. And so this is the environment that you're in. Um, My sister and I, cause she went to IND too. We were talking, we were like, wow. There was, no, I think I remember like one black lady like up on across from the finance office and like a black math teacher who didn't stay for long. <laughs> yeah, it was like Mr. Oluwinka, <laughs> um, Miss Williams. And that was like pretty much yeah, it. That was it. That was literally it. And now it was, it's just so nuts to me now because I'm like, wow, of all the faculty. And so I'm just like, I know that decisions like that aren't just things that were oops overlooked so you know it's really it's just so important um to have those diverse outlooks because even in the way things like history is taught you know if you have a more diverse um staff it's just great it's just more ideas coming to the table more perspectives and more ideas more perspectives and different stories you can never lose you know only good can come out of that so yeah I agree um on another well so, you know, minority topic, how do you feel being a woman and especially being a black woman has played a role in how you view your purpose 
overall? I mean, when you're talking about your business, it obviously plays a big role. Um, but are there things that you notice, you know, specifically as a black woman or just as a woman in general that come up, you know, in your work with your clients and things like that, that kind of propel you to continue doing the work that you're doing? Yeah. So I think like just challenges in general, um, working with men, no matter the color, it's like, you always have to come with your, like, you have to come like, I don't know who you thought you were talking to, but it's not me because, um, a lot of, there's still a lot of misogyny out here. And, you know, especially when it comes to creative work, a lot of times people can, especially I found that a lot of men can view you as you're the creative lady who, you know, you do this and like, take, here's some, here's some advice for you for the future. And I'm always like, I already knew that. Um, so, so it's those things that you just have to always not let stuff slide. Like as women, um, don't let it slide. If you, if somebody comes at you with a, you know, with a um, condescending comment or making assumptions about who you are or what you're knowledgeable about, or even if they do give you advice that is helpful. You can, you, you choose how you respond to that. You don't have to take the underdog or the submissive role in any situation. You just don't have to, there's literally no if, ands or buts about it and nothing after it. you don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as far as like being a woman of color, playing a role in my mission, I think that what has, what's helped me to go so far, um, in my mentality and in the way that I'm building this agency is that, I, I, I believe that as African-Americans, we're connected on a level beyond color because we're human first. And so my ability to build myself up as human first and then have just so happen to have these shared experiences with people in my community and be able to understand and identify the cultural perspective of where we're coming from, what we do have access to and what a lot of us ha- haven't had access to is what has really driven my mission. I'm when I deal with my clients, like I don't ever, like I never, I mean, you just are who you are. It's never like I'm ever, Hey, black client. Like, that's just not how you, not how you think. It's just that, um, based off of history, you know, and what needs to happen in the world, that this is the mission that I believe that I was given to do, um, for this specific set of people. And through focusing my purpose and my work on, Black identifying business owners and change makers and growing generational wealth, then I'm able to do my part in helping their innovative and creative ideas reach more people in the world. And when I do that, and when they do their part, then we're able to bring the world to a better place. Um, And so that's the ultimate goal is to uplift the world, make the world better. And it sounds cliche, but if you have one community who was left out of that, you know, due to a, a number of reasons, then it can't be accomplished. And yeah. um, the fact of the matter is, no matter the economic um, positioning of people who don't identify as Black or African American, there are just more surface level advantage, advantages um, to people who aren't Brown. Um, and so there are a lot of opportunities that that folks who aren't Brown will just be will have a lot easier time accessing versus those who are brown. So if I can do my part and be in introducing new opportunities to people, because I've had the privilege of being able to be introduced to opportunities that I know that my people are generally shut out from. That's, that's, that's my, that's my responsibility. I believe to make sure more people in this world get access to information that will help make the world a better place. 
I love that. I think that's so true. I mean, that's one of the things that I feel like is so important to me, you know, as we um, grow in our careers now, 11 years out of (laughs) high school um, and just making our way in the world. I think that one of the things that's always been super important to me and to some degree, I think in some situations, I'm like, like falling on my own sword with this, but um, I do feel like I maybe speak up too much uh, in some situations, but I think it's important to recognize when people, when you don't feel that other people are getting the same opportunities. Yeah. Or if you look at somebody's situation and you see that like they're not standing up for themselves or maybe they need an advocate or maybe they just need someone to like reach their hand back and like pull them up, you know? Yeah. Like that's one of the things that through the experience of having your career and building and establishing yourself as a, you know, um, somebody who can be trusted and as like a confidant to those people who might be looking for that. I've had some, the privilege of having some great mentors in my life. And so I hope that one day, you know, I can be that same, that same mentor for those people who need it and always make sure to kind of reach back and make sure that I'm providing the same opportunities to people who um, need it as people provided to me. Yeah. Like it's so important. And I think it's so cool because through me doing that, like I work with some, like they're doing big things, a lot of my clients and they, they have expertise that I would have never been privy to. And I have expertise that they would have never been privy to. And so by each of us making the decision to bring this expertise to the world and not be selfish about it and bring, you know, like you said, reaching that hand out and reaching that hand back and just being transparent about what we can offer and what we need, you know, that is, that's really how we build. So yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. So here's my, my last question for you. Where do you feel like the future is going for you and for E3? Yeah. So a lot's happening in the future. Um, so definitely right now working on building out a, a bigger team um, to sustain. I've been getting a lot of inquiries. It's crazy. Um, just how, when you're doing what you're supposed to do and moving forward with it, you know, a lot of people have to do a lot of cold pitching when it comes to acquiring clients and like clients that they just pop up. I'm just like, I mean, I know I market and I put stuff out, but it's literally like, I can have a thought and be like, Hmm, it'd be nice to work with this type of person. And the next day I have somebody (laughs) on my calendar, like, I, you know, I have this company or I work with this organization. I'm like, is somebody like tapping my brain? I'm a little concerned. I know that like iPhones and stuff can SEO girl. I'm like, wow. Um, but yeah, so building out a bigger team, doing a lot of um, a lot of education based like work and community work. That's really big for me. My mother's an educator. Um, I've been like I said, in public, I've gone to public school for elementary school, homeschool for middle school, private school for um, high school and out of state for college. So my educational experience has been very diverse. And I just I know that if there were certain messages, lessons, and touch points that I had had with people who were generally interested in my well-being. Not that there weren't any, but you can always have, you can never have enough people in your corner and you can never soak in enough knowledge. Um, I knew that if I, I know that if I had had that in those spaces and schools and programs, um, then I would have been, I could have gotten to this point a lot faster. And I, and I definitely appreciate the journey. Um, I just think that we as a human race have to get out of this idea that like you always have to struggle 
in order to get to something. It's like sacrifice and challenges, yes. But if we can save the next generation from having to climb eight mountains to get to the mountaintop, when we could be like, hey, we built a contraption that will get you there, you know, with one mountain, you know, with one climb, um, then like that's the goal. And so I want E3 Digital to not only be a place where we help to people to sell and fundraise, um, but where we're encouraging younger generations to believe that they are what they are at a young age and get started. You know, you don't even have to, I, I'm always an advocate for a higher education and higher learning, but you can start doing what you're supposed to do at any age. Um, and so that's the goal for E3 is like to uplift people to, to be leaders, children to be leaders from the very start. Um, and then hopefully to grow right now, we're serving a lot of education, employment and event hosting brands and wellness brands. Um, and just to see where it takes us, you know, to see where things go. I think the world is going in a way where people are, are wanting to be a lot more mindful about how they buy, how they act, how they um, build their lives and structure their world. I'm so, I'm so proud of millennials for the, the way that I see a lot of us are raising our children. I don't have kids, but like, just a lot of modern ways of like raising kids and like empowering um, communities. And I'm really proud of that. And I think that that's not going to stop. And I also think that as the world moves to a place where um, diversity, inclusion, and, um, and you know, that whole conversation is, take, is continuing to be built upon and taken even more and more seriously, that you will see more um, people of color having very powerful businesses like like great ones. Um, they're already out here. You know, there are plenty. I tell people every day. It's so funny because, um, not funny, but interesting because in the nonprofit space, of course, you see a lot of organizations helping of people of color. And then for me, I see I work with a lot of wealthy people of color. <laughs> so it's just having that like that juxtaposition every single day, um, and just like having the world prepare for there to be a lot more diversity and ownership. Um, and I think that when people, if people are wise enough to realize that now, then you too can jump in on this mission of helping to make the world a better place and growing, um, growing, you know, growing businesses and growing great ideas, whatever that means for you and to your life, you know, just always make sure that you're making that whatever you do is, is your purpose and it makes sense for you. Mm -hmm. I think that's all super important. And I think, you know, back to your point too, about um, getting to that path a lot sooner, I think we kind of have to get rid of the notion of a traditional career path because mm -hmm. I don't think it exists anymore. It um, doesn't. <laughs> and if it does, it's not really sustainable, you know? Yeah. And it drives people nuts, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> people are like, I know it's not just meant for me to have this one thing that I'm doing, you know? Or, or put my head down at this desk, it drives people crazy. So I, I think it's beautiful the way the world's going where folks are having the, their different their different hobbies and businesses and you know things that they're not afraid to get their hands in and see where it goes. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. Well, Mariah, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This was such a fun and interesting and exciting conversation um, at, at such so late at night. I'm awake now. <laughs> I know, right? I was like going to get some tea and now I'm just wide awake. So I'm excited. <laughs> we'll definitely stay in touch and let me know if there's anything that I can do for you or, you know, if you want to work together on anything, just let me know. I'm open to that always. So thank you again for taking the time.
Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Talk soon. Bye. Thank you so, so much again for listening. For more about me, Ellie Rowe, and my business, Ellie Jane Collective, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Ellie Jane Collective or online at elliejanecollective.com. And I think you know what time it is. It's time for me to ask you to please share this podcast with others. If you haven't already, please leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is you're listening. And please reach out if there are women you'd like to hear from, innovators doing amazing things in the community. We want to know about it. These are crazy times. So be safe, stay well. And in the meantime, please continue living your life with intention and cultivating your life consciously. 